thank you for joining me again for Rev Kev and The Root, where we get to the root and not just the shoot. Amen. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the paraclete, the one that is called alongside to help us and to give us insight. Lord Jesus, you said that if you did not go to the cross and die, then the paraclete would not come to us. But we know that you were crucified and that you rose again on the third day and that you gave us a comforter that would be with us. And Lord, you said that he would take of the things concerning you and show it unto us. He would reveal you to us and make you real to each one of us who are believers in you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would speak to the depths of our spirit. Lord, that you would speak, Lord, and that you would instruct us from your word. And that your word would not just be a book with words on a page, but with that we would know the reality that is behind those words, that is encapsulated within those words. We know that you said that your word is the seed and that, Lord, uh, the ground is our hearts where the seed is sown. And Lord, I pray that your word will be sown on uh, into good ground so that it might bear fruit in our lives. And I thank you right now, Lord, for each and every person that's listening. And I pray that you would intervene in every area of their lives if they would allow you to. And Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them. And Lord, whatever situation it is that they are in or will go into, Lord, that you would be in it with them. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would touch each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray, Father, Lord God, that, that Lord, those that are dealing with depression and those that are dealing with uh, COVID-19, those that are dealing with family issues, Lord, I pray that you would minister to them. Those that are dealing with issues, Lord, with uh, law enforcement, Lord, that you would uh, deal with both sides, Lord God, not just one side, but both sides. And I pray that you deal with mankind as a whole, Lord, because we know that the problem is, is that man tries to be a law unto themselves instead of following your laws and honoring you in their lives. And Father, we know that it is not a man to direct his own steps, but that, Lord, you're the one who direct our steps. You said in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, not to lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge you, and then you would direct our path. So, Lord, we can't sidestep your law. And, Lord, we can't do things just because we think it's right to do. But, Lord, we have to uh, 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 look into what you say is right and then do that. Lord, we have to allow our lives to be governed by your voice. Uh, that we have to allow you to speak to our hearts and to lead us and to guide us with your voice. Because, Lord, you desire to speak to us. But even as Job said, Lord, uh, you do speak one way and then another, but man does not perceive it. And so, Father, I pray that you give us good ears to hear. Lord, and we know, Yeshua, Jesus, that you say when you was on the earth, that let him that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. In Revelation, you said that, but you also said many times when you were teaching by the lake, uh, that you of Galilee that you said uh, those that have ears to hear let him hear or let her hear so father I pray that you speak to us and help us to hear but Lord not only to hear but to do what we are hearing from you and from your word 
Uh, in the name of Yeshua, I pray. Amen. Uh, I'd like to begin with our foundational scripture. First of all, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, uh, whatever time of day it is where you are. Our foundational scripture is found in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning with verse 11. And it says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful or untrained in the word of righteousness, for he or she is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, those that are mature, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now I want to read a passage of scripture where we left off last time when we were together on the podcast. We were in uh, Shemot or Exodus chapter 18. Now we're going to Shemot or Exodus chapter 19. Shemot is the Hebrew name for Exodus. In Exodus or Shemot, well, actually Shemot means names. Uh, and I suppose that the translators gave it the name Exodus because that's what the children of Israel did. They exited out of Mizraim or Egypt. But in Shemot chapter 19 or Exodus chapter 19, beginning with verse 1, it says, In the third month, after the people of Israel had left the land of Egypt, the same day they came uh, to the Sinai desert, after setting out from Rephidim and arriving at Mount Sinai desert, or at the Sinai desert, they set up camp in the, in the desert, there in front of the mountain, Israel set up camp. Moshe or Moses went up to God, and Adonai called to him from the mountain. Here is what you are to say to the household of Yaakov, to tell the people of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will pay careful attention to what I say and keep my covenant, then you will be my own uh, treasure from among all the people uh, for all the earth is mine, and you will be a kingdom of Kohanim for me, a nation set apart. These are the words you are to speak to the people of Israel. Moshe came, summoned the leaders of the people, and presented them with all these words which Adonai had ordered him to say. All the people answered as one. Everything, they were in agreement, everything Adonai has said, we will do. Moshe reported the words of the people to Adonai. Adonai said to Moshe, See, I am coming to you in a thick cloud so that the people will be able to hear when I speak, when I speak with you, and also to trust in you forever. Moshe had told Adonai what the people had said. So Adonai said to Moshe, Go to the people today and tomorrow separate them for me uh, by having them wash their clothes or their clothing and prepare for the third day. For on the third day, Adonai will come down on Mount Sinai before the eyes of all the people. You are to set limits or boundaries 
for the people all around and say, be careful not to go up uh, on the mountain or even touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain will surely be put to death. No hand is to touch him, for he must be stoned or shot by arrows. Talking about the one that touches the mountain, if there should be any. He says, neither animal nor human will be allowed to live if they touch that mountain. When the shofar sounds, they may go up on the mountain. Moshe went down uh, from the mountain to the people and separated the people for God. And they washed their clothing. He said to the people, perhaps for the third day, don't approach. Uh, he said, I'm sorry. He said to the people, prepare for the third day. Don't approach a woman. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder, lightning, and a thick cloud on the mountain. Then a shofar blast sounded so loudly that all the people in the camp trembled. Moshe brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They stood near the base. They stood near the base of the mountain. Mount Sinai was enveloped in smoke because Adonai descended onto it in the fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the sound of the shofar grew louder and louder, Moshe spoke, and God answered him with a voice. Adonai came down onto Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. Then Adonai called Moshe, or Moses, to the top of the mountain, and Moshe went up. Adonai said to Moshe, go down and warn the people not to force their way through to Adonai to see him. If they do, many of them will perish. Even the Kohanim who are allowed to approach Adonai must keep themselves holy. The Kohanim were the priests. Uh, otherwise, Adonai may break out against them. Moshe said to Adonai, the people can't come up to Mount Sinai because you ordered us to set limits around the mountain and separate it. But Adonai answered him, go get down, then come back up, you and Aharon with you. But don't let the Kohanim and the people force their way through to come up to Adonai or he will break out against them. So Moshe uh, went down to the people and told them, and so Moses or Moshe went to talk to God in the mountain and God told him what to say to the people of Israel or the people of the house of Yaakov or Jacob. And so these people, as we stated in uh, prior podcasts, these children of Israel uh, or these children of Jacob were... Uh, Joseph's brothers. Amen. And also Joseph had offspring with an African woman or an Egyptian woman, which Egypt is in Northern Africa, which were uh, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. And uh, so here we have a, a scene where the Bible says that they were here in the Sinai desert and they had made their transition from Rephidim and Rephidim was the place prior to this. And if you remember, we said that Rephidim meant 
porch, but it also, if you look at the, uh, follow it, its root, where it came from, it also means bed. And it has the, the uh, connotation of repose or rest. And so, but the children of Israel were always in a state of transition, always in a state of moving from one place to the other. And I wanted to clarify uh, something also because, you know, uh, I just want you to understand what I'm saying when I say that realms and the trichotomy of mankind, what I'm talking about, and we talked about this some podcasts ago, but a realm, what is a realm? What do I mean when I say realms and the trichotomy of mankind? A realm is this visible material world uh, the home that God made for mankind to live in together as the male man and the female man or a male and female. Uh, and he placed a garden here on earth, which is this natural physical realm. But there is also a spiritual realm. And Jesus made this very clear to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, uh, when he taught them to pray, and he said in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 9, he says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so there is a heavenly realm or a spiritual realm but there is also a physical realm and as we have learned to exercise our senses and and learn to perceive and to feel and all those kind of things with our natural senses we have to learn how to perceive uh and and discern and all those things with our spiritual uh senses and so um the Bible says that the children of Israel came from one place to the other. They were transitioning. But the Bible says in uh, Shemot or Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, it says, In the third month, after the people of Israel had left the land of Egypt, in the third month, which was the month of Sivan. And so we see that uh, that also, just like we you know, the Bible says first the natural and then the spiritual, just like we deal with time and timing in the natural realm. We're also dealing with it in the, in the spiritual realm because we have to move in a certain uh, transition of time to, to keep up with the plan of God. And, and so uh, the children of Israel, the Bible says, had gone out of the land of Egypt or the land of Mizraim. And it said that they had been there for 430 years. And so most of the people that, uh, well, probably all of the people that were at this point had been in Egypt all of their lives, all of their natural lives. And so our environment has a way of, of uh, influencing our formation as far as what I mean, how we think and our attitudes and our personalities and all those kind of things and how we see things. And so, you know, they, they had a past position which was right there in Egypt or Mizraim. And so now those experiences are not all forgotten. It's just like when we come into the Lord, into, into Yeshua, 
we don't forget our experiences that we have had in our past life, if you will, or, or prior to coming to the Lord. And so the children of Israel, the Bible says, came into the wilderness. They transitioned once again. They transitioned from 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 uh, from uh, from Rephidim into the wilderness of Sinai uh, in the third month, which was the month of Sivan. And you know the 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 Hebrew uh, calendar or method of keeping up with time is not the same as the as the Gregorian. Uh, calendar uh, and so um, but uh, a calendar is a chart or a series of pages showing days weeks and months of a particular year or giving particular seasonal information we understand that you know and there's the Roman calendar there's the Soviet cal calendar and there's the Nepali calendar and there's also the Gregorian calendar which most people in the Western culture go by uh, a calendar is a system for fixing the beginning, uh, the length, and divisions of the civil year and arranging days and longer divisions of time, such as weeks and months, in a definite order. But the, uh, the Gregorian calendar is 365 uh, days plus one day uh, intercalated into one of the 12 months during some years introduced uh this gregorian calendar was introduced october of 1582 that's the western calendar the eastern or middle eastern hebrew calendar it's a lunar solar calendar and uh you know the, it goes by the length of months determined by the cycle of the moon so the length of months is that is determined by the cycle of the moon how full or how not so full it is the length of the year is determined by the cycle of the sun. The average length of the lunar cycle from a new moon is 29 and a half days. All Hebrew months are either 29 or 30 days long. Uh, they stay in step with the moon on average. Uh, every Hebrew calendar year uh, has a year of, of 12 months. Uh, it comes up a few days shorter than the solar uh, cycle. And in the, in the book of Bereshit or the book of Genesis, when uh, God was, was making or creating the earth, he was creating the earth. It said that he made lights in the firmament of the heavens. And it says in, in Better Sheet or Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And then when God, uh, each day God created something, at the end of that particular day, it says, uh, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day when he uh, established the lights. And so that was the fourth day, which is Yom in the Hebrew. And so out the, the days in the, in the Western culture begin at morning and the days in the Eastern culture, especially in the Hebrew culture, it begins in the evening. So the evening and the morning is one day. You see, and God, God said, let these lights be for days and for years and for seasons, for, for months. Uh, 
He said, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And so this is how time was supposed to be kept. And that's very uh, important because, you know, uh, because all of the, the Hebrew festivals is sewn into that. But if you notice a couple of podcasts ago, we, we talked about how God told uh, Moses and Aharon, he said, after you, after they had left Egypt, he said, now, you know, this shall be the beginning of months for you. God didn't start counting time while they were still in Egypt, but God started time, counting time and keeping uh, a count of, of, of historical things, uh, especially uh, after they had left Egypt, then time began for them. So when they was in Egypt, that was just like uh, day of time, you know, uh, and I'm, I don't, I'm not fully aware of totally why God did it that way, but that's how he did it. You know, God doesn't explain everything that he does and he's not obligated to explain everything to us that he does. And so we understand that they were transitioning and this is when they uh, transitioned from Rephidim onto the, the Sinai desert was in the third month. All right, that's just a little education on the Hebrew months. Amen. Uh, it says they camped in a desert there in front of the mountain. So they transitioned from Rephidim. They came to the Sinai desert to a new environment and they had to, uh, to uh, reposition themselves. They say Israel camped before the mountain. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes God brings us into different situations and different places. And, you know, uh, not only does he bring us into those places and therefore, you know, we're in a new environment and we have to reposition ourselves as far as geographical location. But then within that geographical location, a lot of times we have to reposition ourselves within our position. You see what I'm saying? Uh, those of you who are spiritual, y'all probably get more of what I'm saying is that, you know, even though we're in a place, now we have to position ourselves in a certain position in that position, in that place. All right. And so the, uh, let's go back to the word, to the scripture. Amen. So, uh, then Moshe went up to God and, uh, I think we're going to call this podcast Moses, the mountain climber. They say it went up to God and God called to him from the mountain here is what you are to say to the household of Yaakov it was important that Moshe or Moses heard exactly what God said because he was going to have to tell the people what God said so it couldn't be a diluted message that he was given to them or it couldn't be his own opinion but he had to speak what God told him to speak he said you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and the children of Israel, just like us, came out of a society of uh, polytheism in, in, in Egypt. And there were many gods in the land of Egypt. But I just, let me throw something in there. Because uh, sometimes we think the Egyptians uh, were so bad, but everybody in Egypt uh, were not heathens. Or were not seeking false gods. Just like anywhere else today. You know, you have a mixture of people. You have some that believe in God, some that don't. Some that worship the devil, some that don't. You know, and, and I know we, we should worship God, but you have all kind of people. Us, okay, so in um, the book of Isaiah, in chapter uh, 19, verse 21, it says, Adonai will make himself known to Egypt, 
That's in Africa, northern Africa. On that day, the Egyptians will know Adonai. They will worship him with sacrifices and offerings. They will make vows to Adonai and keep them. Yet Adonai will strike Egypt, both striking and healing, so they will return to Adonai. You can't go back to something, or you can't return to something where you've never been. So they, at one time they did serve God, know God, worship God, and all of that. He, it says he will listen to their prayers, and he will heal them. On that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Asher. Asher, or Ashur, will come to Egypt, and Egypt to Ashur, and Egypt will worship with Ashur. On that day, Israel will be a third partner with Egypt, with Mizraim, and assure a blessing here on earth. For Adonai uh, has blessed him. Blessed be Egypt, my people. This is what the Lord said. The Lord said Egypt is his people. Uh, assure the work of my hands and Israel, my heritage. You know, we're the ones who, who put distinctions between people and this and that and uh, try to make one class feel like that they're less than what we are and all that kind of stuff, all the race, racism and prejudice and all that kind of thing. But God says the whole world belongs to me. Everybody is. Everybody belongs to me. He says, um, all right, uh, he says here, uh, Moshe went up to God. Adonai called him out of the mountain. Here is what you are to say to the household of Yaakov, tell the people of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you. You saw what I did to the Egyptians. In other words, you know, like I said, they came out of a, a society that was polytheistic, believed in many gods and so or false gods. And so, you know, people even today contribute a lot of things to the universe or to Satan or, you know, witchcraft and, uh, uh, you know, the, it was in the cards and all that kind of stuff. But God said, no, you need to know that I did this. It was me who did this. You know, and let me ask a question. Who do we attribute the things that happen in our lives to? You know, you know, uh, do we attribute those things to God or do we attribute those things to someone else? Now, there is a such thing as putting ourselves in a bad position or causing things to happen that wouldn't uh, ordinarily happen. But, you know, we have to realize what is God and what is not God. That's what he's talking about with the, the senses and, and exercising our senses and knowing what is God and what is not God. What is what is the real thing? What is the counterfeit thing? You see? And uh, and so God can't be blamed for everything that happens in our lives. Uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's, the, it's uh, our own doing. And sometimes it's Satan that does it just in. For instance, when Job went through what he went through, it wasn't that God was Job's enemy, it's that uh, uh, Satan incited God against Job. Uh, he's an accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. He says, how I carried you on eagle's wings. He gives a metaphor of how he, treat, how he treated the children of, of Israel. He said, I, called, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. So he wasn't just trying to bring them out of Egypt, he wasn't just trying to bring us as one of is taking his journey with with the children of Israel. He wasn't just trying to bring us out of a bad situation, but he was trying to bring us out of that and to himself. You know, not to a religion, not to a church necessarily. And we need to go to church. We need to go to Sunday school. All that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying if we don't have some kind of interaction with God while we're there at church, as we call it, in that building. You know, if God doesn't manifest himself to us individually and we have an interaction and intercourse or a 
uh, 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 you know, if we're not intimate with God, then what have we really accomplished while we're there? But God said, you know, in all of this, it's not that I just want to free you from Egypt, but I want to bring you to myself, you see. Uh, and he says, now, if you will pay careful attention, he says, if you will pay careful attention to what I say, we have to be able to hear God and what he is saying because he wants to give us instruction uh, as far as how we're to operate in him and in this spiritual realm because we have to realize that it, we're not just living in a natural realm but we're also living in a spiritual realm once we have had our spirit awakened once we have been redeemed once we have been born again now we begin our spirit man is alive now and our spirit man ought to be able to function as god has ordained for it to function we, you ought to be able to go into a situation and be able to, to discern whether God is in that situation. Those of you who are, are, are engaged in, in uh, contemplating marriage, there ought to be your spirit, if you're a, a believer, ought to be alive to God for him to be able to tell you, no, that's not the one that you should marry. Or yes, that's the one that you should marry. You see, God didn't want us to be uncertain about life. Neither does God want us to give credit to something else or someone else for the outcome and for the, uh, the the progression of our lives. But he wants us to know when it's him. That's why you say that was me. So the next time when you go through a situation, you'll know how he operates. He said, I'm, I was one who brought you uh, uh, on eagle's wings. I brought you to myself. So, you know, God calls these things out and shows these things that it was him so that we'll know him in how he operates. Okay. Uh, he said, um, if you will pay careful attention to what I say, God does speak. You know, I heard a radio announcer one day say that God doesn't speak to people and this, that, and the other. Well, wh who gave you the authority to say whether God speaks to people or not? And when did he start speaking and when does he stop speaking? I've never seen an expiration date on any scripture. Never. I've never seen a time where the scripture said that this is the date when that stopped. You see, uh, now I have uh, read a scripture where it talked about when that which is perfect has come, then that which is imperfect shall be done away with. It's talking about speaking in tongues and prophesying and all of that. But what is perfect? Who is perfect? He said, when that which is perfect, he said, now we see through a a glass darkly, but then face to face. So he's talking about somebody with a face that we were going to see their face. And whose face are we going to see that we don't see right now? And that's Yeshua. So when he comes, there will be no reason to prophesy and to speak in tongues and all of that because he'll be right there in front of us. Amen. So uh, he said that, you know, um, he said, if you'll pay careful attention uh, because everybody's not interested in listening to what God has to say. He said to what I say and keep my covenant. You see, it's conditional. You know, we're not just going to uh, just by happenstance or or uh, by some kind of luck, you know, uh, things just happen to work out for us. No, he said, you need to listen. You need to pay attention, but you need to keep my covenant. This was part of the uh, children of Israel's problem. It, the Bible said they were not steadfast in his covenant. They did not keep his covenant. And when he says keep his covenant, he's talking about guarding his covenant. 
you know, and a covenant is an agreement between two people and there are conditions in that agreement. And so even in the, in, in, in the spirit, I mean, you can say you're spiritual because because you know how to quote so many scriptures and you can say you're spiritual because I pray this long or I speak in tongues and all of that. But are you able to walk in the covenant? Are you keeping the covenant? Do you know what God said in the covenant and what he will do and what you need to do? You see, because that's a truly spiritual person, because they're able to guard the covenant. They're able to walk in the things of God. Then he says, then you will be my own treasure from among all peoples and, and the children of Israel. The Bible said that they came out of Egypt, a mixed multitude. Do you know what that means? That means that there was some uh, 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 some uh, intimacy going on between the, the Israelites and the Egyptians, which were down in Africa, in Northern Africa. So that means that some of them came out light skin, some of them came out dark skin, you know, and, and things of that nature. Uh, and, and, you know, that's all I'll say about that because I don't really want to be offensive uh, to anyone, but we shouldn't be offended because these are the things that go on in life, you know, that, you know, the, it's like certain people, if they have a certain shade of skin, they get more attention and they get more opportunities and all those kind of things. But, you know, we all come from one man, Adam. And these children of Israel were a mixed multitude, you see. Uh, and if anybody has a parallel experience, I would say it is the, the African people and the Israel Israelites. We have uh, similar experiences. He says, if you'll keep my covenant, then you will be my own uh, treasure from among all people. Not that you were a people that never started anywhere and I, you know, I just happened to sh make you show up on earth. He said, from among the people. So I'm pulling you out from among all kinds of different people. And I'm going to establish one group of people, but they're going to be a composite of all different kinds of blood. You see, for all the earth is mine, God said. It's not that one people are more special to God than the other people, but it's that the whole earth is his. He says, and you will be a kingdom of Kohanim for me, a nation set apart. These are the words you are to speak to the people. The Kohanim is the priest. God said that you will be a kingdom of priests to me. This is what the word Kohanim means. And there is a very uh, strikingly similar passage of scripture in the book of Peter. Uh, Peter's uh, name is Shimon in the Hebrew, Shimon Kepha. And there is a strikingly similar passage of scripture there. Uh, let me see if I can find it. He says right here in Shimon Kepha in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. Also, he is a stone that will make people stumble. Talking about Jesus, Yeshua, a rock over which they will trip. He says they are stumbling at the word, disobeying it as had been planned. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, the king's kohanim, the king's priests, a holy nation, a people for God to possess. Why? In order for you to declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people before you uh had not received mercy before you had not received mercy but now you have received 
mercy. First Peter chapter two, beginning with verse eight. And this is what he says here. Now, when you look at the word chosen, he says you're a chosen people. Uh, it's the, it's the, uh, the Greek word eclectos, uh, that passage of scripture that I just read you in first Peter, because the new Testament was written in Greek. The old or former covenant was written in Hebrew. And it means, um, it's an adjective. It means to pick out or to pick for oneself, to select. This is what God says. You were a selected people. Uh, I selected you. He says that you're a holy, a nation. The word there is uh, genos uh, in the Greek. And it means a nation. It means a kind. It means a race. It means an offspring. It means a family. Uh, and so, you know, God was not after just a group of people that he could assemble together in a physical building, but he was after a family. When he pulled the, the children of Yaakov out of Egypt, out of Mizraim, and when he pulled us out of the world, both accounts, he was looking for sons and daughters. He was looking for a family. He said that you're a kingdom. The word there in Greek is basilos. Uh, it, it deals with palaces. It deals with a body of kings. It, it's talking about royalty. Uh, it talk, it's talking about an emperor or a ruler, you know. And in uh, the book of Revelations, chapter 19, verse 16, there you also, uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, 19, verse 16. You know, I can turn over there right quick. Revelation, not revelations, but revelation. Uh, what I said, 1916. And it says there, uh, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, and everything that is in the book of Bereshit or the book of Genesis, uh, you know, throughout time at the at the end of time in the book of revelation he's going to bring everything back in order to what he planned for it to be in the first place he said king of king uh also there's a scripture in in revelation that says that he has made us to be a king of kingdom of priests to our god a kingdom of priests so he says that you are a royal priesthood and the word there uh the greek word that talks about a priesthood uh it talks about in an uh, office uh it talks about an office of service in the things of god that's what a priest does he ministers in the things he or she in the things of god because there is neither male nor female in god one who offers sacrifices to god whether natural or spiritual uh, uh it also means to be uh sacred or a thing that is set apart. This is what a king, uh, I'm sorry, that's what a priest does. He functions in the things of God. We don't offer uh, animals anymore on the altar, but we offer up spiritual sacrifices. And not, not only that, but we are ourselves a spiritual sacrifice unto God. I want to read you something out of the book of Hebrews as we talk about the, the priest. Um, let me see the, the the priesthood in Hebrews chapter five, where our verse, our foundational verse is found. But beginning with verse one, it says, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, 
that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, we don't do that anymore because Jesus is a uh, sacrifice once and for all. We don't have to send anybody else to the altar to be sacrificed or put on the cross because Jesus has done that. He died and he rose again for each one of us. Or Yeshua, as Hebrew name. Who can have compassion? He's talking about the priests. Those who have who can have compassion on the ignorant, which ignorant means unlearned, and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason thereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Like I said, we don't do that anymore. Jesus is the offering for our sins. And no man taketh this honor, talking about the priesthood, no man taketh this honor unto himself. But he that is called of God, as was Aaron, or Aharon, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee, as he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up uh, prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears, talking about Yeshua, unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God uh, and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So every priest... Uh, did not just take this office on himself, but he was called by God. He says a holy nation, and holy means set apart. That means that we can't mingle and do the things that other people do. You know, and, and some people have opened up doors in the spirit by their actions and by uh, 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 participating in things that they shouldn't be participating in. Just like Eve opened up a door and said that when Adam sinned, then death, then sin entered the world. And, and that door of sin ushered in death. Death came through sin. So you have to be, we have to be careful in how we live because the Bible says that we're a holy nation. That means people that are set apart, uh, that uh, you know we can, we can distinguish you from other people because of your lifestyle, you see. And to be truly spiritual, we have to have a different lifestyle than what this present world has because the Bible says that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one and they're under his control and we're not under the control of the wicked one but we are under the control of God uh, in his kingdom, in, in his realm. Amen. All right. Uh, he says that we're a holy nation and the Greek word for nation is ethnos. Uh, it means a race and it means a nation. It also means uh, custom. It's talking about a custom and culture. When you're talking about a nation, you're talking about people that have certain customs and they have a certain culture. Uh, also, he says that you're a people that for, for, for God, you know, and the word people in, in Greek is, uh, it means laity. Um, also, it says for his own possession. And in the Greek, when it's talking about yeah, we're a holy nation, a raw priesthood for God's own possession, the word there means acquisition or ownership. God owns us. Uh, in, in the word, uh, in the root word means that to, to make uh, from, uh, it is uh, the, the beginning of that word is to make. So God made us his possession. And he made us not only his possession, but he made us his 
earned possession. The Bible said in the book of Revelation that we were purchased with the blood of the lamb. Uh, and so he acquired us fully for himself, you see. Uh, and, and so that we might be a people that, that shows forth the glory uh, of him or the praises of him. He put us in a position. The word so is the word hopos in Greek. It means in order that, or it means uh, in what way. So God made it to where we could be this by his own son's blood. Also, he said that we're a, a holy nation to proclaim something. And it's not just talking about talking about God, but it's talking about proclaiming him in our action. Because the word in the Greek for proclaim, it means to, to tell out or to proclaim. Uh, it also means uh, to publish or to show forth. And how do we show someone God? By our actions. They can't see God with their natural eyes, but they can see him in our actions in 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 uh in our the way we live in the morality in our lives and the standards that are set in our lives the standards that we live by that God give us to live by um that we might show forth the excellency and the word excellency in the Greek is arate and it means moral goodness we are to show forth the moral goodness in this world of God uh and the virtue of God and the uprightness of God it said that uh the excellency of him. We know who him is. Uh, God. Elohim. Hashem. Uh, he said he called us out of darkness. The Greek word is skotos. It's a, a masculine noun. And it means uh, shadiness. It means obscurity. But it also means moral darkness. That's what it's talking about. He called us out of those evil works. Out of those unrighteous works. One time Paul said that we have forsaken the works of, of, of darkness. For, for Christ's sake. It said that he's called us into his wonderful light. And so this word here is thumastos for wonderful. It means to be wondered at or to be marvelous. It means an awe-evoking sight, moving the beholder to their deepest emotions. It reminds me of Isaiah in the temple. In Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 6, when he said that, you know, he was in the temple and he saw the Lord. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And the angels of seraphim cried to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. He said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And uh, so he said, it's, 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 it's uh, wonderful. Like, and he said uh, that we might show forth uh, the praises of him. And, and to marvel and to admire this when he talks about his, his, his wonderful light he's talking about a marvelous light something to be admired uh, you know and God said that the Hebrew people or uh, the children of Yaakov were to be a light to the nations you know and so he wasn't just talking about just talking he was talking about be that show that in your actions show that in your lifestyle show him in your lifestyle because God said that one of the one of the greatest things that we can do for God is to allow him to show to shine forth in our lifestyle, in our actions, in what we do, in how we conduct ourselves. Because in the very beginning, this is what God wanted. He said in, in the better sheet or in Genesis, he said, I will make man my image after my own likeness. 
the Bible says that God is a spirit. So he was not just talking about hands and feet and eyes and all of that. He was talking about his character. You understand? Uh, and so let's go back to the word. We, got, we have a few more seconds. Uh, and so the Bible said Moshe uh, came and summoned the leaders of the people and presented them with all the words of Adonai, which Adonai had ordered him to say. All the people answered as one. They were all in agreement. So they said, uh, everything Adonai has said, we will do. Moshe reported the words of the people to Adonai. Adonai said to Moshe, see, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud and that uh, the people will be able to hear when I speak with you and also to trust you forever. Moshe had told Adonai what the people had said. So he was a mediator between the people and God. So Adonai said to Moshe, go to the people. And Jesus also said, well, Moses said that God will raise up a prophet uh, unto you like unto me. And, and we know that Jesus, excuse me, is the mediator. And so uh, this is uh, typology that Moses or Moshe was doing that uh, he foreshadowed Christ. Today and tomorrow separate them from me by having them wash their clothing. We know that in Revelation, it talks about, uh, you know, washing your clothes. Uh, in, in, a, in a, He told the church at Laodicea about that. And so really clothing, uh, as far as I know, uh, is, is kind of metaphorically talking about works. And it's talking about righteousness. And we can't just go before God any kind of way. But we have to go uh, the right way. And he said, prepare yourself for the third day. And we know that God came down on the mountain with lightning and thundering and the people were afraid. And at one point they told Moses or Moshe, they said, look, don't, uh, don't, um, you know, you go up and talk to God and come back and tell us what he said, because we're afraid of him, you know. And so, you know, people today really don't really fully understand who they're really dealing with when they're dealing with, uh, when they're going before God and when they do the things they do in life. But my time has run out. Uh, Father, I just ask that you bless your people, that you would keep them, Lord. And, and Lord, that you would, those that are dealing with COVID, Lord, that you would touch them in uh, Jesus' name. If you want to uh, talk to me or communicate with me, uh, send me an email. It's revkevintheroot2020 at gmail.com. revkevintheroot2020 at gmail.com. Our website is chocolatecommerce.business. Uh, Until next time, God bless you. Thank you.